Welcome into the very first episode of the Card Chronicle podcast. Uh, th- this is something that the fine folks over at Vox Media have been trying to get me to do for uh, what feels like three and a half years. I think it's actually been like a year. But then this week they said, if you do this, you can say, fuck shit, ask whatever you want. And I was like, eh, it's, a, it's a no brainer. So we're going to have a whole, a whole lot of fun doing this, I hope. Uh, it'll be a chance for me to talk about some stuff that I can't really talk about on the radio in a way that I can't really talk about it on the radio. So hopefully people enjoy it. You can listen to it when you're, uh, you know, walking the dog, doing whatever. Hopefully it'll kill some time for you. Uh, we're going to talk today uh, mostly about this Louisville basketball team, what's going on, what just happened, and a little bit about the direction that they're headed. Other podcasts will focus on football. We'll bring in our guy Keith Wynn. we got some other guests that are going to hang out with us and hopefully uh, have some fun and talk about things in a way that keeps you entertained and, you know, somewhat informed. Today we got my buddy Danny Sennard, who's on to talk about basketball, and he was the he was the eighth man on a Trinity basketball team that I think won 15 games. So that's how you know he's an expert. Dan, how are you, man? Good. I think you're selling the the 2003 Trinity Rock squad a little bit short. But, um, yeah, I'd say that that description fits me pretty perfect. So um, I'm doing well. Excited to talk about cards basketball. I'm, I'm glad we're kind of getting into the swing of conference play here. You are currently sitting in a parking lot with a mall security guard staring at you. Is this correct? is tr- this is true. He's phoned in on his uh, walkie-talkie a couple of times since I've been sitting here. So if all of a sudden you hear uh, some racket going on in the background, it might be Paul Blart taking me away here. But um, God, that was a ter- <laughs> terrible first joke. I should have said that one. Um, but Did yeah, you no, think I, podcast life would be this glamorous <laughs> this quickly is my question. I'm like nervous. Like I'm like, cause I I've called you Ron my whole life That's and right. you know, we can go into that later, but <laughs> I'm so used to calling you Ron and I'm like, do I call him Mike? Do I call him Ron? So I'm just getting the jitters out, just taking a couple swings here, letting the machine warm up and I'm sure we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get into it. But yeah. This is a glamorous life here. How do you feel about the fact that people who have no idea who you are are going to judge you based <laughs> off what you say in these uh, 20 to 25 minutes? Um, it's pretty terrifying. I was like, <laughs> do I? First off, like my Twitter account is pretty much used just for stalking purposes only. I don't really tweet. <laughs> but I was like, do I need to purge my Twitter account from like 2009? Because like God knows what I said back then. Like my Abby right now is a cartoon dinosaur. <laughs> um, so I, people that are going to be like, uh, okay, I guess we're getting uh, some basketball info here from uh, Jurassic Park, man. But anyways, oh, yeah. So I don't know. I, um, I'm, I'm not one that likes to be out in the spotlight. I like to keep a low profile. <laughs> well, let's talk about, uh, I, I guess we'll focus on the Louisville basketball team and what happened on Tuesday night. The most recent game was a 74 to 58 win over a Miami team that looked like it was, you know, wanting to do anything besides play basketball. I feel like there's one game in every conference season, even going back to the old Big East days, that you just you totally forgot about. Once Hello. you get to March, you're like, I, I forgot that game even happened. Um, I, I This is going to be that game, I, I think, for Louisville this year, which is a perfect time to start the podcast, a game that was totally a, a walkover. But um, we'll do classic overreactions. This is what podcasting is all about. You overreact to stuff in the moment. So if I had to ask you to give me one overreaction to Louisville's 74 to 58 win over Miami, what are you going with? Um, my overreaction would be 
I don't know if we're improving. It almost looks like we're going a little bit backwards. Um, and the thing that kind of makes me nervous is last year, I feel like we came out of the gate pretty strong. I remember in the Barclays, we played uh, Marquette down to the wire. And who was the other team that we, Tennessee, Tennessee. I know we lost, yeah, we lost by like 10, but both those games, we looked really good. Like I was like, okay, maybe we're pretty good. And then the, you know, the beginning of this year, although the competition, you know, turns out hasn't been too great. Although I know Western beat Arkansas and Michigan. I know they just fell out of the top 25, but I guess we looked pretty good in those games. I mean, we played Miami earlier in the year and I thought we looked really good game one, but it almost looks like we've, we've just kind of hit a stalemate and the, the real worrisome thing for me is not only does it look like we're not improving, we have not gotten the freshmen involved at all, which is, makes me a little bit nervous for next year as well. Um, I don't know how you feel about that, but I thought at this point in the year, Sam would be getting major minutes and be averaging at least close to double figures. And he just looks like right now he doesn't really have a role carved out on this team. So I know point guard is the big issue. Um, but, you know, I don't really know if Chris knows what our rotation is. Um, I think he's still working on that. Um, but it, it just kind of looks like we've, we've hit a lull and I'm hoping we can snap out of it soon. Um, not enough to just flat out panic. I mean, the ACC is so down this year mm-hmm. that I think we'll be able to get away with, you know, not bringing our A game every night. But I mean, we're gonna have to bring, be a lot better than that than than we were. I know we won by 16, but I mean, Miami's horrible. They don't play a lick of defense, and you know, there was a 20 minute stretch there from about five minutes left in the first half to, you know, about almost seven minutes left in the game where it felt like I was watching just a pickup game at the Y. Um, it was really weird. I mean, like, it's funny. I hear like, all right, like Chris Mack has like the biggest playbook out of like any coach. He has like 700 plays. Okay. Well let's run one maybe instead (laughs) of just throwing it around. Like we have two options, either like spend all possession trying to get the ball to Enoch down low um, or, you know, throw it around the three point line and take like one jab step and pass it and jack up a three. So that's kind of what I got from it. But, you know, like I said, ACC's down. I'm not going to panic, but we definitely need to improve. I don't know how you feel about it. I think that the, the offense looked a little bit stagnant. It also was, it was interesting because when you're comparing this performance to the one on opening night back in November 5th and we ran an entirely new offense it was that new free-flowing motion offense that uh, you know kind of reminds a lot of people of Bellerman uh, Chris McEnough spent some time with Scotty Davenport hearing about his principles couldn't run it last year because he said he didn't have the personnel we came out and run it and re- it looked really really pretty that that opening night against Miami Miami was not prepared for it at all and we've gotten away from that just a little bit I, I think that the the most jarring representation of what we're talking about here was the start of the second half where it was pretty clear that Mac's message was we're going to force the ball down low to Steven because they've got nobody who can guard him and the result was we had four dudes just kind of standing around and trying to make that entry pass and when Miami was denying it the offense looked a little bit rough I think and this is kind of my big overreaction it's going to sound harsh I think this staff is still really trying to figure out what the best rotations are and who can do what with this team 
which sounds bad when you're more than two months into the season, but also makes sense when you've got, you know, some guys that are not playing the way they were at the beginning of the year. And also you've got a point guard in David Johnson who missed the first four, uh, you know, four weeks of the season because of a shoulder injury and is still trying to get back into the flow. I mean, case in point, you mentioned Sam Williamson, who looked so good on opening night against Miami, looked good at the beginning of this game too. They played him at the two for the first time all year long, which is something that fans have been clamoring about for a while. And he looked really bad. Uh, they had to yank him right after that. Um, David Johnson got extended minutes at the point again, did not play particularly well. I think that, and we'll do, if we had a, a graphic for this, we could play it now. Eventually we'll get to having some <laughs> some, some like sounds and stuff. <laughs> so maybe. Let's, just, let's just sign on correctly. We'll start with that. <laughs> uh, We'll do a point guard update of the uh, of the week segment here because this is all anybody ever wants to talk about is the point guard situation, and understandably so. It's interesting because I think that the staff, we know what they want to do, which is start Fresh Kimball at the point, play Darius Perry off the ball, bring Ryan McMahon off the bench to, uh, to replace Perry when he needs a break, and bring David Johnson in to play the point when Fresh Kimball needs a break. They ended up not being able to do this at the end of the game. Darius, for the first time all year, did not play a single second at the point in the first half. Didn't get it. Didn't start running the show until the second half. And at the end of the game, when Miami made things a little bit dicey, they cut the lead to five. We had to play Darius at the point because he was the only guy who was giving us decent minutes there, and he made a couple of really big plays down the stretch. So it was kind of like you felt like Mac after the game was was excited about the way that Darius played, but also like well, fuck, like, like we kind of got to go back to what we were doing originally. I think they're going to stick with the with, with the game plan with playing him off the ball. But if Fresh doesn't play well again, he didn't play well, he hasn't played well the last two games, I think you're going to see Darius move back into the point position and see him and David Johnson alternate minutes a little bit more. It's just kind of, like I don't think that they have any idea of what they really want to do. And they're using this three-week period to figure out who they can play, who they can't play, and what matchups they can use. Uh, Chris Hatfield on Twitter pointed out they use 16 different lineups uh, in a 40-minute game on Tuesday. That's a lot of different guys out there. I, I think that they're just kind of going to use these two weeks to to figure out what works, what doesn't, and then roll with it in February. But um, he's going to let some guys play through some stuff. Hey, yeah. do, do you feel comfortable uh, with Darius moving back to the point if that's what winds up happening here? No. God, no. Um, I mean, here's the thing. The reason that the situation we're in is because Darius is just not consistent and DJ being a freshman. I mean, I expect him not to be consistent. He had a couple plays um, last game. I mean, he got in the lane and had a wide open layup and for some reason tried to pass it, got knocked away. And then he finished that same play kind of later in the game. So I, you know, I know DJ has it in him, but I'm not going to hold it against him that the fact that he's inconsistent, he's a freshman it would be nice for him, you know, I know he was injured, but it would be nice for the learning tur- curve to kind of pick up quickly. But the reason, and you heard Max say this after the game, that it's kind of a by-committee thing, is it's just with Darius. I mean, he does show flashes. I mean, the end of the game, I mean, he was great. I think he kind of took the, uh, you know, the battle between him and Likes personally and, and, and just kind of took over and at the end of the game. Um, you know, fresh has some limitations. I I think obviously just by looking at him, Darius has the higher ceiling, but he just can't be counted on from a game to game basis. And I just think that's why, you know, I I don't mind playing fresh at the one and and Darius at the two. And, you know, if, if Darius does get the hot hand or, 
you know, to move him to the point guard at the, at the end of the game or whatever they need to do. But right now, you know, I just don't think you can count on Darius being consistent enough um, until, you know, we see it over a course of maybe five, six straight games. Plus, I want to see it against better competition as well. So um, I, I do feel like Chris, you know, I, that Max hands are a little bit tied with this situation, but it's it's just really hurting our team. You know, I'd say our weak point of our team is passing. I, who let, did Jordan lead the team in assists last game with yeah. four? Yeah, I yeah. mean, geez, that's just like that's that's not really what you want, especially a, a, how bad Miami is defensively. You should be able to move the ball and get easy buckets. And you know, for our leading assist guy, I know Darius played well, but for our leading assist guy to be Jordan, you know, with four, I think that raises a red flag. Um, my, and I, this is, I, I think what I need to do is kind of, uh, and this almost gets into our next topic a little bit, but I think I keep basing every, like everything as a fan I base off of like, cause we've, we've had Rick as our coach before Chris for, you know, what fit i forgot how long it was 15 to 18 years something like that wow. um so every everything i'm watching i I'm, I'm basing off teams that rick used to have and you know there's certain plays that during the game that i'm just like all right like get them out and that's just not chris's style chris he's a lot more methodical um you know he's not going to yank a guy for a mistake and that's just something as a fan that I, you know, I have to get used to. I was so used to, you know, one bad play, you're coming out. Um, and, you know. I did like that after the game he was talking about the freshman because look, I think Chris Mack, whether he admits it or not, he listens to criticism and he reads criticism more, like way more than Rick Patino ever did and way more than most coaches did. And he hears – fans saying like we want to see more of the freshmen we want sam williamson out there more we want dj out there more and he basically after the game was like i agree i've got to let these guys play through some mistakes but at some point like there's a limit and he was like we got to win fucking games he didn't say that but you could tell that he was kind of saying if david johnson's going to do like the play that you're referring to where he drove the lane seemingly had an easy layup and instead tried to throw it through three guys like at some point you got to stop doing that and you've got to get better defensively if you're sam williamson so I think he wants like the the reason why you have to give David Johnson minutes is obvious. Every time he's out there, whether he's playing well or he's not playing well, he does at least one thing that the other three guards just can't do because of his size. Um, I mean, he can make that NBA over the head two handed cross court pass. Like, Darius Perry, Fresh Kimball, Ryan Man can't do it because they don't have that size. He can make a, a a drive where he crosses up a dude, switches hands in midair, and scores on a you know a, a guy who's six foot ten because he's got that athletic ability. You've got to play him more. You got to let him get through the mistakes. But at some point, like you also have to win games. And if Louisville had lost that game to that Miami team, which oh, Jim Laranega, I mean Jim Laranega said in so many words, we had their play-by-play guy on the radio show, Joe Zagaki, and he was basically like, "Yeah, I talk to Jim all the time. He hates this team." And you could tell. I mean, like Laranega in his pre-second half interview was like, "We were trying to take away the post. Maybe we'll do it better in the second half. We haven't done it all year." These guys don't care. Like he just he despises this this team because they don't play very hard, and they didn't play that hard against Louisville until like Louisville started dicking around so much that they got back in the game. So hey, I applaud Mac for saying you know having to to eventually say like okay like we're we're this is definitely a learning process, 
but at some point we got to win the game and we're going to play the guys that can do it. So they got there. I do want to, I want to shift into the next topic because like you said, it does touch on what we were just getting on there. Louisville fans, I think are, I don't want to say overly harsh, but like you and I, like they have been pretty critical of a team that it's 11 and three overall three and one ranked in the top 15 and keep in mind, like we're a fan base that, you know, we cheered for a team that was out of the top 25 for most of last year that missed the tournament two years ago, that was going through all the stuff in 2017. You'd think that we would be overly excited about what the team's been doing so far this year, but that hasn't really been the case. I've got two reasons for why I think this is happening more than it would be in another season. But what do you attribute this to? Why do you think that fans are so eager to maybe overanalyze every little thing that seems like a negative right now. Well, and this is not a knock on Chris. I mean, he is, uh, or Mac, you know, he's done what he's needed to do to reach this point in his career where he's the head coach at Louisville. So obviously he knows what he's doing. You know, you hear from all the college basketball pundits and everyone thinks Chris is a great coach. Um, so I'm in no position to, to say otherwise. And, um, the, I, like I said, I just go back to comparing what I'm seeing to past Louisville teams, which is not fair because that's under Patino. And it just seemed like with Rick, when we hit about this time of the year, there was just such an urgency with the players and it was, it's a style of play thing. And it's kind of the way Rick conducts himself on the sideline compared to Mac as well. I mean, with Rick, you know, you're dogging people up and down the court for 40 minutes, you know, pressuring the ball diving on loose balls, you know, and then with, with Rick on the sideline, he's going crazy, the bench is into it. And, you know, you would have thought after losing two straight, especially, you know, to Kentucky that we would come out, you know, this Miami game. And I mean, we did get out to a big lead. Um, so I can't knock him for that. But, you know, Chris is just, he, he he's just kind of methodical in the way he goes about things. You know, he doesn't really get in guys his faces on the sideline. He just kind of paces up and down, you know, the players, I mean, they are playing hard, um, but it's, you know, they're playing that pack line defense. So that's, they're not really dogging people up and down the court. And it's just not something I'm used to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm used to pressure. I'm used to, you know, uh, fighting for every single possession. And it, just with my own two eyeballs, it, it just doesn't look like the urgency is there from what I've seen in the past. So um, that's kind of my two cents. Now, uh, I do believe we have the talent um, that we can make noise. Uh, but I, I think the coaching staff definitely has some stuff that they need to figure out. And, you know, I, I can see why the fan base is a little uneasy right now. Here's the other thing. I, I, I do think that the comparison, the constant comparing – of Chris Mack to Rick Pitino and what we'd all gotten used to, it plays a part in all this. I think the other thing is we used to have like this January lull. Uh, I mean, we had a bunch of times under Pitino where the team would lose just horrible games in January at the start of conference play or like the, the heart of conference play. And I think, I mean, fans used to get really fucking pissed about it just the way they are now. The only, the thing that changed was, I think, that 2012 team. The, the team that everybody was so down on, made the big run to the Final Four, won the Big East Tournament. And then a year later, I mean, we lost three straight games in January that season, too, and then went on to win the national title. And every year after that, fans kind of just quieted down when these types of losses or these types of, of play, like sleepy play, 
happened in, in January because they knew that eventually we were going to get to the point where we were our best selves um, in late February, early March, because Patino had proved it. With Chris right. Mack, I, I think that like fans, we just don't know. Like like we we are hopeful that Mack's going to be the same way, that we're going to take a couple of, of bad losses in conference play like everybody does, and that we're going to be better for it in, in the long haul. But this is the second year. Like We have no idea whether or not that's actually going to wind up being the case. The only piece of evidence that we have is last year's season where the team you know, kind of was, was sliding into the NCAA tournament and then got blown out by a bad Minnesota team in the first round. So I think that's a big part of the reason why fans are reacting to these types of January performances and the Kentucky loss a little bit. Di- well, the Kentucky loss, we always react to that the same way. Right. But, yeah. but I think that that's, that's where we are right now. And here's the other thing, and I want to get your thoughts on this. I think we're in a unique situation where we don't know what's going to happen with the NCAA and the FBI stuff. Like I know a bunch of other schools have gotten their notices of allegations this week. TCU got theirs. Creighton got theirs, even though they're not admitting it. Louisville's going to get one eventually. We don't know if like we're going to be banned from the 2021 NCAA tournament or the 2022 NCAA tournament. We also know that the recruiting class that's coming in is, I think we've got three good players, especially if Jay Scrub winds up uh, spurning the NBA and coming here. But Please. next year's team, yeah, no shit. <laughs> next, year, next year's team is probably not going to be better than this year's team. And then who knows what the future holds. So I think Louisville fans realize, like, this is kind of our shot, especially with the, the college basketball being down this year, having Jordan doing what he's doing in every game against except Kentucky. So there's a little bit more pressure on everybody. And when you see this team maybe not, evolving and developing as quickly or as as thoroughly as we were hoping they would have been by the midway point of the year I think that's where part of the panic sets in too I mean do you feel a little bit of that yeah I mean it, it feels like we have a short window here um you know you just with the NCA you never know so you know going into this year getting all the preseason hype being in the top five you know you're thinking this is the year and then you know let's call a spade a spade really I mean I know Michigan's dropped out of the top 25 so I mean really the only good teams we've played we've lost to Mm -hmm. so um you know and I also agree with your point on you know how from like 2012 on you know it was just kind of easy to sit back and know that we are going to hit our stride come late February and March and last year you know whether that's due to fatigue or or whatnot but we definitely were sliding coming down the stretch and um you know there's just uh, there's a there's definitely a cause for concern um as far as seeing what happened last year going down the stretch and then kind of seeing how things are are, have gone since mid-december here um but you know, I like I said, we I think the ACC being so down. Like, have you looked at our home schedule the rest yeah. of the year? It's we have terrible. zero. We have zero it, home games against ranked teams right now. It's awful. I mean, like I was like, all right, like you know, uh, we can get one good one in here. But I mean, Syracuse being down, Carolina being down. I mean, I'm like, I guess Florida State was probably our best home game um, yeah. as of right now. So I don't know. Still a long way to go. Um, I understand why the fans are panicking. Um, I would be lying if I said I, you know, I, I'm definitely feeling a little anxious as well. But um, let's just see kind of how these next couple weeks play out and see if we can 
get some sort of improvement from kind of how we run things, especially on the offensive end. Yeah, if, if we, I mean, look, if you're listening to this, you're like us, you, you've experienced a billion mobile basketball seasons. We do this shit every year where we overreact to, you know, the most recent game. And I also think if we had just made a couple more free throws or if Jordan Wara had brought his D-plus game to Kentucky and we win there and we still have the same exact performance against FSU and the same exact performance against Miami, we're still like 10 times happier than we are right now. Like, like we oh, feel a lot better about this team. I think the Kentucky loss is still lingering just a little bit for everybody. But if we handle Notre Dame on Saturday, handle Pitt next Tuesday, and then beat Duke and Cameron Indoor, I feel like all of us are going to be like, this is the best team in the country again. And we're going to feel really good about this team's chances to go to the end, to end the season in Atlanta, go to the Final Four and do all that good stuff. So it's just, it's a snapshot. We're reacting to where we are in the moment. And there have been some troubling things. But long term, I still think this team can be fine. The only thing, because... It's good in a way that the ACC is so down because Louisville could easily go 16 and four or 17 and three in this conference, but it's bad because it could be like that AAC year in 2014 where you've only got three or four decent chances to prove yourself. I mean, we know Duke's good, we know Florida State's good, we know we're good. I think everybody else just sucks balls. Like, like and, and yeah. something else I can't say on the radio that I love saying. <laughs> the ACC fucking sucks. It's Jesus, they suck. It's not a good conference this year. Virginia can't score. North Carolina, Roy Williams is basically saying he would quit this season if he could. Um, they're not responding well to that. Like, no, NC State's just okay. They looked okay against Notre Dame. Notre Dame's fine, but they're not, they are haven't taken as much of a step forward as we thought they were going to. Like, we could be 17-3, and three, and if, we, if those three losses come twice to Florida State and once to Duke, there could still be a lot of questions about how good we are. It's just it's a weird year for the conference. So that transitions to next question. Before we play Duke, we go to Notre Dame on, on Saturday, a place that only David Padgett can win, apparently. And then we go to Pitt on Tuesday, a team that just beat North Carolina on the road in the Dean Dome. Which of those games worries you more, or, or are you worried about either? This pains me to say it, but has Mike Bray lost his magic? I'm getting worried about him. Yeah. Um, I love Bray. I think it, his team's from like, you know, about 08 through two years ago were, you know, just fun to watch. But if I had to worry about one game, I would probably say the pit game just because I think we struggle with more athletic teams. Um, but I mean, you know, our history at Notre Dame is what it is. We've struggled there. And like you said, apparently DP is the only one that knows how to win there. Um, but that would be a very disappointing loss. I mean, they are, they're very down this year. I'm expecting us to go in and take care of business. And out of the two programs, I mean, I know Pitt went into Carolina. They play at Carolina last night, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and got a W there last night, you know, Capel, I think in the near future here, we'll have that program, not not up with the Dukes and Carolinas and us, but they'll be right there in that second tier. Um, well, he does, baby. Just dropping yeah, bags. Just dropping right. bags. God, yeah. Uh, the, the talent is getting pretty good pretty quick there. Funny you People say that. People just love playing at the Peterson Event Center. It's just, yeah. It's all, it's all about the academics. At yeah. Jeff Capel. A lot of charisma. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. No, I mean, without watching too much of both teams, um, it, like I said, I saw when 
out of the two teams, it looks like Pitt has a little bit more athleticism, which after saying that, watch Cooley drop like 50 on us but um, for Notre Dame. But I, I would probably worry about Pitt a little bit more. Yeah, Notre Dame, I watched most of the game against NC State last night. Um, they were on the road. They led most of that game. They played really well. Prentice Hub, the guard, um, has played two really good games in a row. That's kind of worrisome for a team that has struggled with guarding uh, guards that have been hot coming into the game. Maxie let us up a couple of weeks ago. MJ Walker let us up for Florida State. But I'm with you on Pitt. Like, and also, that game in December was super, super chippy at the Yum Center. Like, they, feel, they felt like they got a terrible whistle. They wanted to fire our guys at the end. I'm fully expecting that to be a super hostile environment when we go up there. But I'm still going with Notre Dame just because, for whatever reason, we don't play well there. Um, John Mooney is a terrific player. Uh, Prentice Hub is, is playing really well right now. And TJ Gibbs also is, you know, not the most athletic guard in the world, but certainly a good enough athlete to give us some trouble. But these are two games that you really feel like this team needs to win to have some confidence going into that Duke game. But, you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll watch the game Saturday. We'll react to it. And we'll come back and we'll talk about it uh, next week. Here's how we're going to end this episode. And Dan, I I know nobody listening to this knows you, but some (laughs) people do. And I've known you almost my whole life. You have the worst luck of anybody I know. Bad things just just, just tend to happen to you. Some of them are are very bad. Some of them are really bad. Some of them are just kind of small and bad. You're... You also don't help yourself. Like you do dumb things that result in, in in having bad luck sometimes. So we've been telling you for years, you need to start a podcast that's like five minutes every day. Call it Dan in the Dumps, where you just tell a story about something bad that's happened to you recently. And we we always thought it would be a hit. So we're gonna give you your opportunity to tell your your in the dump stories. We, again, we don't have like a little catchy jingle. Maybe we'll get there at some point. But uh, this is today's. This is how we're gonna end every episode where you're on the Card Chronicle podcast. Give us uh, your Dan in the Dump story for today, Thursday, January 9th. All right. So, yeah, I mean, you, that was a absolutely you nailed the intro. I do have the worst luck in the world. Um, for, for whatever reason, bad things do happen to me. Um, so if I give out any betting tips on this podcast, just make sure to fade me if you want to make money. Um, with that being said, um, here we go. So it was yesterday. Uh, I, first off, I'm not a handy guy. Well, that's an understatement. Like, out of anyone, I'm the least handy guy for being a 34-year-old, like, like <laughs> in the entire universe. And, like, I know you're not handy either, but I, there's probably <laughs> things that, that you can do that I know I can't do, which is sad. Um, so... We are having someone come and paint our room. Um, uh, we're having a, a third kid uh, in May, so we're getting the, the, the new baby's room painted. And so the painters were over giving us an estimate. And the two guys that came over, uh, very one looked like Dwight Schrute, and he brought like his brother Moe's with him. Um, <laughs> they were very meticulous and wanted to, you know, they asked – any question you could ask. And then somehow we got on the topic of not only were they giving us an estimate, you know, for the paint for our room, but uh, we also were looking to possibly get a new deck. So he took us out there and um, on our way, on our way outside, uh, of course, our dog, whose name is Pippa, um, decided that she was going to say hi. And these two guys did not look like dog people. So I was like, Pippa, Pippa, like trying to get her down. And the guy was like, what did you say that dog's name was? Pepper? <laughs> I was like, no, no, Pippa. 
He's like, Pippa? I was like, like the royal family, like Pippa Middleton. He was like, I don't, I don't know what the, I don't know anyone in the royal family. I was like, <laughs> oh, well, yeah, she's, she's the sister of Princess Kate. I was like, what am I doing? Like, this guy's <laughs> like, this is terrible. So like, so uh, we let it, we, we go outside on the deck and we usually, if, if we do ever let the dog out, we have to put her on a tether, but we open the door and Pippa just sprints outside and there's a dog next door with the neighbor with the dog and Pip just goes right up and I, it, she's she's harmless but it looks like she is attacking she shows her teeth and kind of gives like a loud close-up bark so it almost looks like they're fighting and so <laughs> while I'm doing this I'm, I'm running over there and I hear Dwight Schrute and Moe's back there. They're like, Pepper, Pepper, get back here. Get back here, Pepper. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the worst. So not only does the neighbor next door hate me because um, our dog attacked their dog, but uh, apparently I'm, you know, kind of the softy that named their dog after the royal family's, uh, you know, little sister. But there it is. Yeah. So I don't know. That's just step one. Believe me, they'll get a lot worse. I, I was I was struggling. I was like. I couldn't tell about the time I called AAA and they had to come get my car. And then when they got there, they told me I couldn't start it because it wasn't in park. So I put it in park and then they just left. But I was like, I'll leave that for another time. <laughs> there it is. That was a Dan in the Dumps. And that's how we're going to end the podcast right there. Card Chronicle, episode one. You'll be able to find this wherever you can find podcasts. Uh, subscribe. It's going to be hopefully better uh, as we move forward. But I like that. I, I like the way that we're ending the podcast there. Dan, appreciate you spending some time here, and uh, we'll be talking with you soon. All right. Yeah, great debut. We'll be uh, passing Joe Rogan here in no time. No question about it. All right, thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll be back with a new episode here in just a couple of days, and keep it locked here. Car Chronicle Podcast coming back here uh, sometime soon. Later.